This is Erased. I'm Colette Bauer-Zinn. And this is Lisa Johnson. Two Black moms bonded by bluntness, tenacity, and an unwavering commitment to creating communities of support. Every Thursday, we're exploring where the intersections of education, race, and culture collide, dissecting interracial issues to help you navigate and thrive, despite being marginalized. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Erased. Another great episode. My name is Colette Bowersen, co-host sitting next to Lisa Johnson. And we have had two huge events for our nonprofits this last week, sis. Yes, and I'm exhausted. We are recuperating. You had a parent-to-parent mix and mingle. Tell me about it. First parent-to-parent mix and mingle, which basically was designed to introduce newly enrolled black parents to... And you're being so humble. It was huge! When I logged on to that, there were damn near 400 people logged in. Well, you know what's crazy about that, that I just realized? That's the number of people logged in. That's not Not including spouses. Correct, because when I looked, there was a whole bunch of people in each screenshot. So It was great. No, it was great. Yeah, I said I was exhausted. I said I was exhausted. It was Well done. So I guess I should back up and mention, Parent to Parent was for Private School Village. Correct. And likewise, somebody launched something. I did. I launched Private School Access, the nonprofit, and in conversation with Dr. Melina Abdullah, founder of Black Lives Matter Los Angeles, that conversation was fire for a whole lot of reasons, really interesting. So check out our social media so you can see some clips and eventually see the whole thing. <laughs> we have very similarly named right. organizations. Because we align in right. everything. <laughs> we're very in sync. Anyway, um, we're doing fabulous things. We just wanted to share some of what's going on behind the scenes. But today we're talking about, well, we've talked a lot about all of this, all of the things going on in our lives, the reason for our being and doing. Um, again, we've talked a lot about them. We've not talked a lot with them them being the children, the people in our lives now who are alums. Um, Today, we're really excited to talk to recent black alums about the private school experience and the impact that these experiences have had on their lives. Uh, For our guests, note that in today's episode, we are only using our guests' first names and not naming the schools that they attended. We're doing so out of respect for their privacy. Additionally, Although they have generously agreed to come and speak to their specific experiences, what we will discuss today is what we hear every day from parents and professionals in schools all over this country. What our guests are sharing is specific, but not unique. Joining us today is Jamie. She's a sophomore at USC, majoring in communications, and she has a talk show. She's a talk show host on Fox Soul. Welcome, Jamie. Hi, how are you? Good. Also joining us today is Jay, who attends Amherst College in Massachusetts, where he plans to major in law, jurisprudence, and social thought. Prior to graduating high school, he was the captain of the varsity golf team, photo editor for the school newspaper, and co-chair of the Black Student Union. He was also an investment intern for presidential candidate Pete Buttigieg and worked in the Los Angeles district attorney race. George Gascon. Welcome, Jay. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So we always like to kick stuff off asking our guests, when was the last time you felt erased? And erased, of course, meaning 
invisible, diminished, made to feel not seen or heard because of your race, gender, preferences, what have you. Jamie, when was the last time you felt erased? Um, I would honestly say at the mall, just like having someone come up and try to have like a deep conversation about like the George Floyd issue, because we're talking about the Derek Chauvin case, and they kind of said, I'm biased because I'm African American, I can't see it for what it is. Well, wait, how did you handle that? Um, I just politely said, I understand what's going on regardless of my race. I'm speaking facts about what specifically happened during the trial, what everyone saw on the video. None of it is my opinion. And I just kind of left it at that. And I said, have a good day. And so I know we're trying to be quick, but you were just minding your business, walking through the mall and some person of some persuasion just approached you and was like, hey, what do you think of George Floyd? And I were talking about it while we were in the line to check out. And the person behind us overheard our conversation and butted in and was kind of like, well, you guys are wrong. Oh, I can't. I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> that is a whole nother episode. I'm sorry. We'll yeah. move on to Jay. Help the I'm world. I'm stuck. Okay, yeah. And move okay. me past Okay, so this, Jay, please. when was the last time you felt erased? Um, the other day here, we had a walkout in support of Black Lives Matter and some of the issues going on now. And it was like, it was a really beautiful thing. Like hundreds of students came. Um, and I was talking to a white friend, like someone in one of my classes. And he was like, do you really agree with like this stuff? And what, what they were advocating for was more counselors and specifically counselors of color, because there's an issue here where all of the school counselors we have, which is not many, are white or not, not black people. And that was a specific thing being addressed by the Black Student Union here. And they were like, the, the person said to me, like, do you really feel this way? Like, is that an actual issue? And not only was I surprised that even after listening to them, he wouldn't believe it was an issue, but... To bring it up to me in that in that way definitely just felt a little uncomfortable. And you said, I said, of course. Like yeah. <laughs> I was like, were you, were you not listening? This whole they they laid out a really clear idea, and I didn't I hadn't even understood like the whole issue that they were bringing up before they did, and they laid it out really clearly. And for him to kind of just overlook it yeah. and not, it was clear he wasn't paying attention, and he kind of went there for show because it was like he felt bad not going. So, so that, that situation was probably the last time. I would like to commend you both. Sometimes our adults come on and really struggle <laughs> with answering that question in a quick, succinct manner. Bravo. This is what we've been talking about, how like our, our young activists have got it together. Yeah. Yep. 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 Give us hope. So let's, let's start at the top. How did you get to your private schools. What, what do you know about how your parents chose the school and or you? Because, Jamie, you started in, like, kindergarten, and Jay, you started at the, the most recent in seventh grade. So tell me about the process. Were you part of it? What were their thinking? What were you thinking? Get at me. I started my private school when I was actually in early kindergarten, so I was four years old, so I definitely didn't even know the concept of school. Um, But I know my parents wanted me to go to a place that was diverse. And at the time, this school was the most diverse out of the rest, even though itself, it did not have a lot of African-Americans. I had about maybe two or three in my class. Um, So I think that's pretty much how they came about it. And I just remember sitting on my mom's lap when I got the acceptance letter into early kindergarten. And I was like, okay, I don't know what that means. Can I go play now? So that's kind of how that happened. Okay. 
Jay, you have a bit of a different perspective because you were definitely front and center in that process. Yeah. Um, going into seventh grade, I was definitely more involved in the process. I feel like I had a good understanding of which each of the schools I applied to was and what it was going to be for me. Um, and I definitely knew what I was getting into with my school. And there were aspects of it and there were times where it was challenging, but um, I feel like I was proud of my decision and like what it was. When as you were looking for my parents, give me one second. When you no, were looking at so you looked at more than one, mm-hmm. right? For you mm-hmm. as a sixth grade boy, sixth grade black boy, right. most importantly, mm-hmm. in your mind, what were you looking for? Was was race diversity even a part of your thinking at that point in your life? Um, not really, because each of the schools was very similar to the elementary school I had gone to, and each of the schools I would have been going with students from my class. And specifically, each of the schools had black students going there. So that wasn't as big of an issue for me. Size of the school was more of an issue. Um, How many of my friends, and looking back, this wasn't the best deciding factor, but how many of my friends were going? Like out of a class of 60 in (laughs) elementary school, like 23 of my friends went to the same school as me. Mm -hmm. So going, going into that school with like, a group of friends already was definitely helpful starting off. And let's um, contextualize so that, that for a second. 23 of you went and the seventh grade class was what? It was 220. 220. So it's yeah. Still, like, okay. yeah. That's still like a large amount. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. And I didn't mean to interrupt you. You were talking about your parents in the process. Oh, right. Um, they were pretty open to letting me decide. I think if I had, I think they, we had the same idea of which school, but I think I think they were pretty open to letting me decide. So let's talk a little bit about the day to day, like your lived experience. Like, do you know the percentage of students of color in your school? I think for me in the middle school years, it was about ten percent, and then it increased to like thirteen or fourteen percent after that. And in ninth grade, they have like recruiting, and that's when a lot of the black students came in our class. So it was it was like significantly less in seventh and eighth, and then it, it grew. So in um, terms of general students of color, what would you say the percentage was, not just black? Probably like 60, I want to say. There was a large population of Asian students. There wasn't too many Hispanic students. So you're saying um, 60%? Yeah, I would say 60%. Okay. Jamie? Um, I know at my school now, well, I'm not there anymore, but it's 40%. But when I started, it was only 25% were colored students. Mm. And let me tell you, it showed in these classrooms because it's already a small school. So 25% of a small number is a, you know, very small. And I'm talking like maybe me and two other black kids when I first started in early kindergarten. And then when I was in high school, you know, we did have a lot more. But this is another topic. um, But they were mainly black athletes. Mm -hmm. Didn't really see a lot of American students, like solely students. Interestingly enough, both of your schools say 55% students of color. So Jay, you were pretty close and Jamie not far off too at 40. But here's the question that we were talking about. Did it feel like one in two of the students that you were engaging with were students of color? Absolutely not. Yeah, absolutely not. So let's, <laughs> so pa- let's talk let's about pause. that. Let's pause for a second. That is a whole interesting discussion that puts me on my never-ending soapbox of this whole like self-identifying piece where 
people in their applications get the privilege of self-identifying. Yep. <laughs> and those are the same numbers yep. that play out yep. on the websites yep. when they're saying 55% of our students self-identify as people of color. Yep. But I do need the people right. to understand yes, that, that on the back end... We're smarter than that. <laughs> ...of these websites where they're quoting these big old numbers, it's coming out of people being free to self-identify during the application process. So now, Jamie, back to the line of questioning. <laughs> um, did you follow the Black App movement that started over the summer? How did you feel about it? And did you read your school's account? Just want to remind our listeners that the Black App movement was a very, is a very thriving movement on Instagram where folks of color, particularly black students at private schools throughout the country, are sharing their experiences on Instagram. Keyword is, because you know what I've realized lately? It is not dead at all. I did a search recently, so many more accounts. But anyway, um, Jamie, so did you did you participate? Did you see your school's account? I definitely followed it. I didn't send anything in. I don't really know why. I just kind of felt weird, you know, talking poorly about my school. Because at that time, I was in the mindset that's like you appreciate your school no matter what like hardships you had to go through. And so I very much was like, I don't want to speak ill of my experience, even though it's a real experience, even though it happened to me and it doesn't mean anything negative towards a school. I'm just speaking my own experience. That was a really hard lesson for me to learn. So the black at my school helped me distinguish between my real experiences and speaking on that versus speaking negatively about the private school I went to. It helped me understand that those two are not synonymous it's just me speaking about what really happened to me on campus. Jay, did you read yours? I did. Um, I didn't send anything in like Jamie. I kind of felt I, I was kind of conflicted because I did. I wanted to support what was happening because I really identified with some of the stories. But at the same time, it wasn't really my place. Like if somebody had because I, I wasn't overly affected by any of these issues. Like personally, I, I didn't like go home like and was like thinking about it all day it was usually something that like happened in passing that I noticed but I, I wasn't super moved by it so I didn't want to take away from people's real lived experiences and then at the same time I also didn't want to speak poorly about the school that I had went to and for the most part I had really enjoyed but I, I did read it and a hundred percent the stories were real and I definitely related to them that's so interesting and and like we people of color um, it's what you were saying, Jamie, that we equate sharing our actual lived experiences with speaking against an institution and or being negative. And it's, if, if it's the reality, if it's the truth, it's not saying that this institution is horrible and wrong. It's just this is what happened. Well, but all of the pages weren't necessarily designed that way, right? Some of them did celebrate certain things. Yeah, and I will say, Jay, too, I'm that proponent of like, I had a great time yeah. in my private school, and I wish that more of us would speak to that and contribute to things like Black App Pages to say, yes, we hear you and had similar experiences, and I had a great time. Yeah, yeah. I kind of felt like if I had gone and done that, there seemed to be like a clear message coming from the Instagram accounts, and if I had said, if I had gone in and said, like, I loved my time there, it definitely wouldn't be sending the right message. Well, yeah, you don't want to give anyone any excuse not to hear the other information, for sure. Well, how do you feel about how your schools respectively have responded? As far as my school, 
my little brother is still there and I know that the administration has done things to move forward and to try to help. And that's actually like started a counter movement <laughs> um, at our school where there's like, it's called woke at my school. And it's particularly white parents complaining about the expansion of the diversity and equity and inclusion program that we had in response to the social media accounts and any other moves by the administration. Like they complain about it and they even like wrote an article in Daily Mail about it, complaining about wokeness at our school and how it's like teaching white students to hate themselves. Like there was like a lot of pushback from white parents, not all white parents, of course, but from a group of white parents who disagreed with that. We talked about this in our last episode when we were talking to Caitlin Flanagan, who did that cover piece for The Atlantic on how private schools are obscene. And uh, she was talking to that, these woke movements, I despise the term woke, but these woke (laughs) movements where people are really hiding behind anonymity to say some pretty horrible stuff when it comes to reacting to diversity, equity, and inclusion movements in our schools. How do you think alums feel about that? How do you feel? It's definitely split. I'm uh, like very against that, but it was clear that all students weren't. Like there was definitely a large group of students, probably in the 45% who were like proponents of that mentality. Yeah, it's it's those people that mistakenly believe that for equity to exist that they have to give up part of their privilege and and that's a yeah. problem. Yeah, I'm sorry. Jamie My school, from what I know, because I still have friends there, have not done anything in response to these Instagram accounts, positive or negative. My old school just kind of put the blinders on and acted like it wasn't an issue and went about the year like normal. And I know like the teachers that discriminated against me are still there with no marks or anything on their records. So it's very unfortunate, to be honest. So the school hasn't done anything in direct response to the blackout. Have they done anything to move the needle forward with diversity, equity, and inclusion? Maybe there's some behind-the-scenes stuff going on? exactly. Yeah, I believe uh, they're trying to find a new diversity, equity person on to be a part of the staff. From what I understand, because again, I'm still not on campus. This is all my friends telling me. That has definitely been pause, move forward, pause, and you would take a step forward, just take two steps back. So it's definitely more so like a game at my old school rather than just a linear, like this is how we solve it. So do you think your schools feel polarized now? I can't say without being there. I'm sure that being there, it wouldn't feel like that as much because even when I was there, you would know who felt a certain way, but it didn't really come up as often as you would, as like one would think. Mm-hmm. At my school, people are very open about their views, which could definitely get hectic. And I know my school, like a lot of the people who are against, you know, black equity are the big donors. So that's another issue is you don't want to go against, you know, the people that are giving you money, but you also want to be fair. And I know that's another battle um, my old school is going through as well. Jamie, you mentioned um, feeling discriminated against in your institution. Um, Can you give an example of that? And can you also speak to what you did in response and, and what you felt you could do? I have a couple examples. I'll share two that I actually am proud of my response because I was older and I was given the knowledge as to how to respond. So my senior year, I came to school with twists. I'm sure, I don't know, I've had to explain like, you know, the hairstyle. A natural hairstyle. Right, a natural hairstyle because I just came back from a trip and I had the teacher look at me and say, shouldn't you be darker to wear that hairstyle? Man, 
And I was completely taken back. And I, the first thing I did, I said, no, that's very disrespectful. And then I just remember running out of the classroom because my brother had that free period and I was just crying with him because I was like, I cannot believe that just happened to me. So that was the biggest one that I can say. But also I know an issue and I'm sure Jay, this happened to you as well is white teachers using books like To Kill a Mockingbird as an excuse to say the Mm N-word over and over again. Even when I spoke up and I had another uh, African-American student who spoke up as well and said, hey, we feel very uncomfortable with you using this word so freely in conversation. Like, we all know what it means. Can we please just, you know, skip over it? And of course, she just said, no, it's part of literature. We have to speak on it. And I said, yeah, that's fair, but we can speak on it without having our white counterparts and even encouraging the white students to use the word. I need to go back to that first example you gave for a second. I need to pause us and and just really tell our listeners, I'm taking it to the parents right now. That's the kind of restraint that we have to use on the daily when our children come home and share experiences like this with us. And we have to control our emotions, our reactions, teach our children how to navigate those situations And then when we approach, if there's a bit of emotion in how we are reacting to such horrible, horrible circumstances, then we are often labeled angry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or even as a student, though, the cognitive load that she's got to carry. Like, she can't just be a student. She's not got to go back to that classroom, carry that with her, and she's supposed to learn at the same time from this teacher. (laughs) Amen. Is that teacher still there? Yes. Did you report it to administration? Yes, I did. And what was their response? He didn't mean it that way. I shouldn't take it so personally. Oh, no. Let's just pour some salt on that wound. (laughs) Right. It was more so a response that was like, we hear you, but we don't really want to deal with it right now. Or at least that's how you, you, you received it. Yes. And I've complained about this teacher before because there have been instances where he picks on African-American students. And you're just one student here. Right. So year after year, this happens. And I'm just one. I was just the unlucky duck this year to be subjected to that. Um, But it's nothing new on campus. And which is why I think when I brought up the issue, they kind of have been used to hearing about that teacher in that way. So they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we get it. Like, and this yeah. is why Black at Private School X was created. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Oh, my goodness. Jay, did you have anything that you wanted to share? I remember in the last two English classes I had, like in junior and senior year, I was the only Black student. And teachers thought it would be a good idea to, instead of having like the white students say it, just like specifically calling me like every time to read, every time. No. Wait a minute. Wait no. a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> no. I want to make sure I'm not misunderstanding. Where you're reading this in class, and every time the teacher's like, Jay, and he's got to be like, N-word. Is that what you were saying? Yeah. I, I understood that she didn't oh mean God. it to be rude. Oh, my I God. Co- I confronted her about it, though. And I, I I wasn't personally, like, moved by it. I just was like, I don't want to do this. Like, do I have to do this? And she was like, oh, no, of course not. Like, I'm sorry that I made you feel this way. Can I ask you, do you think that they were doing it to try and be funny? No, I think in the past, black students had complained about saying the N-word. And I think I was a part of that. I was like, I don't want white students saying the N-word, especially when I'm the only black student in these classes. Right. Like, so I think as a response, that was her idea of like fixing the issue. I don't, I don't think she could understand that that was worse for me specifically. 
especially being the only black student in that class was what made it something I remembered. Of course. And these things happen and we stay. You stayed. Why? Did you ever consider leaving your institutions? That was like the second semester of my junior year. Um, I had like a thing. I just took my SATs and I was like starting writing my college applications. So I think leaving at that point and over that instance specifically, I, I don't know if leaving would have been the right decision because I don't know if the alternatives were that much better. Like, I don't know where I could have gone and it would have been like, wow, this, this is so much better for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Honestly, think- Jamie, people spoke about your school as if it were like a place for black students to go. So I don't oh, know. No. And that's yeah. why I'm always the one who's like, I don't know why people think that <laughs> it's crazy. Like if you talk to any black student, you'll know, like, I don't know where that came from, but literally I was called the N word in middle school at this private school. And at that point I was like, I need to leave. But then like Jay said, I was like, where do I go? Like, what other private school is gonna be like truly diverse and not have this underlying racism and I was like you know what I have like connections here so I'll just you know kind of deal with it through high school and learn and grow from it what were these conversations like with your parents did you tell your parents Mm. when stuff would happen oh yeah the school was afraid of my mom after a while (laughs) They'd be like, oh, here she comes, like, something's wrong, like, no one would want to speak to her, because they all knew, because I was younger, so I didn't have the voice to go in front of administration and be like, you're not going to tell me, like, you can't do anything, so my mom definitely was a huge help, and I thank her for that, because it honestly came to a point where at one point, teachers were, like, afraid to say anything negative to me, because they just didn't want to deal with my mother, and I was like, thank God, I'm just here to learn, do what I need to do, and leave, and not be worried about being discriminated or having microaggressions thrown at me every day. So I definitely want to, you know, thank my mom for just having my back through it all. What was the conversation like within your family? They were all just, you know, kind of how we're talking. Like, are we surprised? You know, this is where society's at, unfortunately. And it's, it's hard to change a whole private school's point of view. So it's better. What I was taught was, learn how to handle these situations, learn how to not emotionally respond, but logically. So that, like you said, Ms. Bowers, that we're not labeled as angry or overly emotional. It's okay. I can respect that answer, hopefully, and not label this student as crazy or tired, or she's just upset. She has a bad grade, which was never true, but I digress. (laughs) Jay, what were the conversations like with your family? Specifically about that, and since I, I didn't tell her when it first happened, I told her once I confronted the teacher and the teacher apologized. It, it wasn't something that I was like deeply offended by, so I don't think she took it to that extreme. And if you know my mom, you know she would have if she saw me like bothered by it so yes, much. she um, would. <laughs> we did have uh, conversations about what it was like to be Black on campus and specifically on a campus where even though it's 55% people of color, it really didn't feel like it. So that was something we talked about, and especially um, with my little brother now at that same school, um, we like continue to, to talk about. Tell me a little more about that moment where you fought through talking to the teacher and, and what that experience was like, having to be the 
for lack of a better word, child in a situation confronting an adult about a practice that made you uncomfortable in a space that's meant to be safe for you. I, I think I spoke to my friend who's also a person of color. He's not a black student, but he's a person of color. I spoke to him about it and he was like, you should just say something to her. And I did. And I didn't, I did approach her kind of like you said, Jamie, logically. I just said, hey, um, if I can, can I not read the parts that say the N word anymore? And she's like, yeah, of course. I'm so sorry that I made you do that. I didn't mean for it to be something that bothered you. And it, that, was, that was it. And that was a good way to did, frame it. it yeah, it definitely stayed with me, but it wasn't something that in the moment I was deeply moved by. So what advice do you guys have for current students trying to navigate in this interesting time they're in now, living through this crazy world now? Please stand up for yourself. I know teachers are intimidating and I know because like even for my instance, my grade would suffer if I would stand up for myself. And I saw that and I was like, at the end of the day, this was my senior year. I was like, I'm already in college. I did what I needed to do. So right now, I think standing up for myself and teaching myself that I don't have to be subjected to this type of treatment because of the institution I'm in. I think it's more important to vocalize how you're feeling than bottle it up because it won't help you at the end of the day. You can't grow without learning and you can't learn how to move forward if you don't try. So please don't be intimidated by anyone, any staff. If something makes you uncomfortable, rubs you the wrong way, please say something. Jay? Yeah, I definitely agree. I think I think a lot of times if you stand up to the teachers, at least at my school, some of them appreciate it wasn't all it wasn't unanimous, but some of them definitely appreciated it um and were able to recognize where they were wrong and I think not only doing it with teachers and administration, but with friends and like the people around you is something that is really important. And at least in the beginning of my high school experience, I struggled with, but I think that was something that made uh, my high school experience much better. What's your advice for parents of students of color as they are helping their kids navigate private schools? I mean, I'm not a parent, so I don't want to like, well, to that point, would you send your children to private school? I definitely would. Because honestly, now I look back at everything and I laugh about it because I'm like, no, I I definitely could have responded better. And now moving forward, I'm not afraid to walk into a predominantly white institution because I already know, okay, someone here is going to discriminate in some type of way. And I have the tools to respond. And I learned that at an early age Mm -hmm. through my private school experience. And again, I loved my school. I wouldn't change it for the world. I guess I would tell parents like, be able to have these open conversations with your kids because, and don't make them feel poorly. Like, well, you're in a private school. You should appreciate it. Yeah. We all appreciate being in private schools, but that doesn't make the situation perfect. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean we're not going to have issues, especially when it comes to race at this time. So I think it's important if you can come home and let your child just openly discuss what's going on. I think that would be very helpful. I think one thing my parents did, which was, really helpful to me and it was kind of what I talked about right before this they really made me feel like I deserve to be there more than anybody else not just equally like more than anybody else and I think that made me feel more confident in who I was at that school and what I could be able to do at that school and what I could take advantage of because I didn't I didn't really feel shy about being there or um, standing up to teachers or speaking up for myself because I knew because of my parents that I belong to be there. Good job, mom and dad. Right. That's great. I was going to ask you, you both have two dope, very unapologetic advocacy forward moms. Was that of benefit to you as you were navigating your private school? I loved it. 
because I was like, Mom, this is what happened today. Let's go back to that school and let's turn it up. Turn it up. Literally, to this day, we just went back and, you know, everyone still knows our names because we were really fighting me on the student side, her on the parent side for equality at this private school. I love that, though. I mean, they clearly instilled in both of them. They are the gifts. Yeah. Jay? It definitely helped to have these conversations at home, like kind of just like what we're talking about now is the types of conversations we would have and I'd have with my mom. Um, And so then going back to school and being aware of what was happening, like really clearly aware and even not just what was happening there in front of me, but like behind the scenes, what was happening too is something we talked about. So getting that with my mom was definitely helpful and my dad too. Let's talk behind the scenes. What would you tell the administrators at your private schools about your experience and how best to support students of color? Uh, Please don't demean students of color's emotions when they're trying to express what happened in a situation and how it made them feel. Because a lot of times, I don't know about Jay, but at my private school, most of the administrators were white. So they never really understood what it felt like to be alienated in a classroom and to feel like you're the other. And so it's really hard to convey, maybe it didn't seem like much, but emotionally and historically with the African-American community, that little microaggression means a lot. And so I definitely want to say, you know, administrators, please take every accusation that a student of color makes seriously. And don't just say, well, it's okay. You know, you weren't hurt in the end. Like, please move on, go back to class. And that's not what they meant, which was your experience. Right. And I know they don't mean harm. And I know they're probably just trying to not exaggerate the situation. But at times it did feel like they were pushing my feelings to the side to protect their institution rather than taking what I said and making their institution better. I think the best thing was having black administrators like even though they weren't my college counselors or even my deans at the time, I always felt like I could go and talk to them. Um, one thing was helpful was being part of the Black Student Union. Um, the administrators would be with you there. So I always felt like I could go and talk to them both at the um, middle school and the high school. I would just tell them the value of having Black administrators for Black students because I, I, I don't think it really makes sense to them because the administrators I had for the most part were great, but I could never have the same conversations with my college counselor as I could with a black college counselor. It just like couldn't happen. So I think just stressing to them the importance of that to a student like on an individual level, I think that's what I would say to them. No, and not just administrators, teachers as well. I'm curious to know, did either one of you have black teachers at any point? I had a black teacher in kindergarten and then did not have a black teacher until 10th grade. Honestly, I agree. I think it's great to have black administrators, but a problem at my school was we would have two administrators, both black, but they weren't pro-black. They weren't, you know, you wouldn't see them in protesting. You wouldn't see them speaking about social issues that surround African-Americans. They're definitely more so, let's keep our head down and let's just get through it, get our check, and just, you know, let white people oppress us if they please, as long as we get our money at the end of the day. 
it doesn't matter. And I didn't really like that message that they were sending to black people at my school. Girl, there's a whole lot of assumptions I in love, that statement. I love your thinking, right, but let's give them a little bit of grace. They might have just been trying to survive. I, you never know. <laughs> yeah, the same thing you were experiencing on the student level, they were experiencing in some really heavy ways, having been an administrator of color on the administrative level. Jay, you mentioned affinity groups, and we've had some really cool conversations around affinity groups. I just want to ask you, because you're in the building, were affinity groups an important part of your high school experience? Absolutely. I think definitely because there's such a gap between the middle school and the upper school. We had like meetings across campuses and it really helped me get a better sense of what being black in high school was when I was in middle school because they shared their experiences and it prepared me for it. And that is something that I cherished for sure. Jamie, were you part of your BSU? Oh, yes. I had a leading role in BSU. We put on a lot of events for the school. And it was honestly, like Jay said, it was a great experience just to be able to connect with my Black peers and just be able to have open conversations about social issues in America, but also like what was going on on campus itself. Do you feel like private school gave you an advantage in college? Do you feel better prepared? I feel like the workload, because I have friends that go to public school, and I definitely feel like the specific things they taught us on being a student was very helpful. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, being able to stand up for yourself in these uncomfortable situations was something that I learned that's a tool I'll take with me forever. And that just prepared me for life. Jay? Yeah, I definitely appreciated my experience as well. And I don't know if it's because of we're in a pandemic and school is different, but personally, my high school was just as challenging if not more challenging than it is here. So I academically, I'm definitely prepared and I feel like I'm able to navigate situations that I experienced already in high school. Again, if they occur here. Excellent. Well, a huge thanks again to you both, Jamie and Jay, our esteemed student, recent alum guests for today. Thank you to our listeners. Tune in in two weeks for the next episode of Erased. Remember to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast platforms. Learn more at erasedpodcast.com. That's Erased with a C. Or on IG, Instagram, Facebook, or Erased Podcast. And subscribe. I'm your co-host, Colette bowers in partnership, as always, with the great Lisa Johnson. Thanks for downloading and listening. See you in two weeks. Thank mm-hmm. you.